This week in the markets, gold stocks rebounded on better than expected U.S. domestic economic numbers. Well, welcome back to GoldSeek.com Radio, everyone. Your host, Chris Waltzak. Just a pleasure to be back with you on the Season 14, Episode 696 show. Precious Metals investors, as I mentioned, had a good week, at least in their shares. Joining me with his take and positive outlook. On the precious metals, Gerald Salente, head of the Trends Research Institute. He also has positive comments for Bitcoin aficionados and cryptos, which have done remarkably well. Our Ethereum now is up least threefold from the lows, close to at last check. U.S. equities, as I mentioned, though, uh, had a good rally this week. We had better than expected consumer sentiment numbers. And as my listeners know by now, that's about 70% of our national output comes from the consumer's pocketbook and wallet. Well, the middle class, according to, to Gerald Salente, continues to struggle and retain purchasing power. Plus, we discussed the hyperinflation in Venezuela and just how that left millions of middle class citizens virtually overnight with very little in their bank accounts. And what they had was, of course, inflated away in a very short order. Argentina, incidentally, on a per capita basis, one of the wealthiest nations in the world, you know, just a few decades ago. And, of course, currency troubles put an end to that amazing economic miracle. We could be facing something similar. And Professor Dr. Katlikoff joins me next week, so be sure and uh, tune back in this time next week as well, because he has some must-hear comments for every level of investor, and whether you're nearing retirement, you know, just starting out in the world. Professor Kotlikoff is your go-to resource. He's convinced we're now up to $240 trillion in debt approximately 11 to 12 times our annual GDP. He also likes cryptocurrencies and mentions Bitcoin by name. He thinks that the precious metals and cryptos will do remarkably well. And sadly, friend of the show and brilliant researcher Stanton Friedman passed away this week at the age of 84, a great grandfather, just a fantastic individual. We extend our deepest sympathies, of course, to Mrs. Friedman and his large family. Louis Navalier of Navalier Associates also stops by this week. He sees the 50-year low in national unemployment rate as a big plus. The Navalier Tactical ETF is ranked approximately number two in Morningstar's service, near the top for three consecutive years. He really is one of the best in the business. You'll want to hear his comments on strong economic numbers, blowout GDP revisions ahead, and perhaps record corporate buyback numbers in the second quarter could help us with U.S. shares. And an update on the Signal Hunters' efforts. Folks, what a week this was. Another patent, our third was applied for and accepted by the U.S. Patent Office. This, the process for revealing Dyson Sphere hyperspherical tesseract structures and holographic transponders. We're finding evidence all over the universe of extremely large structures with hyperdimensional features. I'm actually calling it hyperspherical, although frankly it looks as though the very nature of reality 
is a tesseract. That's what seems to be implied, but it's revealed by the incredible power sources and gravitational fields around these structures we found. I know this sounds fantastic. I know it's difficult for people to wrap their minds around. Believe me, it's taken me almost six months to believe the results we're finding, uh, hundreds of images. We had another first this week. We were able to decipher an SOS in at least one to two dialects. So we were able then to have that SOS deciphered. You know, I had a patent last week on that deciphering process. We found an incredible difference between our language and the off-world advanced civilization in compression of that language. Now, there can be many causes, but we took some of the modern literature of the past hundred years and extrapolated it a bit and determined that we could be dealing with a civilization that's several hundred years beyond where we are today. If you want all the details, a whole section of my 100-page mini-book, you might call it, or dissertation, is available just on this topic where I go into the Type 1, Type 2, and Type 3 civilizations that we've found evidence of. We have hundreds of photos of all three structures and artifacts from all three. But back on topic, we actually relate a message to the source, the fast radio burst 121102, and to another, uh, we believe, repeater For this, we sent an SOS in their text. In other words, we replied in what we deciphered as their text found several other places within the document, this fast radio burst, that are repeating X's and O's, X's and O's that align in the same area that you would expect with the SOS. And by the way, this is a confirmed. The SOS repeats nine confirmed times within the same section. I mean, clear as day, SOS, break, SOS, break, SOS, break, SOS. And this goes on and on. Well, we found the alien text that matches up with it. It is a true Rosetta Stone. With the help of some other researchers, we sent a message this week to them. We replied to their SOS. And it is possible. It won't take five or six years to get to these because we think we found a repeater. And it might only take a few days to weeks or months for this message to be relayed. It's an 18-inch dish at approximately 2.4 gigahertz to 5 gigahertz and it has the power to reach the local repeater source where i'm also accepting pre-orders on my book this is going to be published i hope within the next week or two a dissertation for the graduate course that i'm taking here at western north carolina it's a concept paper for the course um, at dissertation level and with images and whatnot and videos, right now I have over 200 videos that will be available through this. You can pre-order just simply by signing up for an annual subscription for my Alpha Stocks newsletter. You can find that link if you like, or just reach out to me, Chris, GS Radio at Frontier.com. is the biggest story that I've seen in my lifetime. I'll leave it at that. We'd like for you to call into our toll-free hotline, the Q&A hotline, 641-715-3900. You can reach us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Cancel, delete, and re-record if you like. Please plug it right into your phone or your iPhone or just jot it down on a Post-it pad. 641-715-3900. Mailbox number 5140. 
49. Robert Ian wraps up the show with his latest must-hear report. Goldseek.com begins now with a market weather recap. Partly sunny skies persisted over the precious metals this week as investors turned to U.S. shares, boosting demand for gold stocks. At Friday's closing bell, the yellow metal was off just $12, finishing at $12.75. Silver dropped just $0.40 cents at $14.40. And as I mentioned, the XEU shares were up about $0.12 cents at $67.50. Black gold picked up 2%, $1.26, finishing at 63 Palladium was off 45 at 13.06. Platinum ended off about 45 as as well at 820 about five percent the top story driving the xau shares higher this week gold continues to soar relative to u.s shares in, in the last three weeks on the solid employment figures from the u.s labor department on robust u.s economic data with u.s consumer sentiment now as i mentioned at a 15-year high in early may the university of michigan's sentiment index climbed to a reading of 102 from April's reading of 97. Quite a jump. And consumer expectations shot higher from 87 to 96. It was the best number since 2011. In related news, U.S. employment figures remain near a five-decade low with the national unemployment rate at 3.6% in April. Bottom line, on precious metals. Well, the XEU remains solid, but we'd like to see more bullish behavior. The geopolitical tensions in Iran and ongoing trade talks with China are offering some support for safe haven investing. The summer doldrums typically are a boring time for the metals, which does sometimes provide a good setup for a fall rally. Jewelry manufacturers and retailers prepare for their holiday inventories. Central bankers are still our best friends here. It looks like they continue to buy up the precious metals at discounted prices, lowering supply, pumping the money full of monetary stimulus, all inflationary and all bullish for us. Moving on to the Wall Street report, sunny skies were seen from horizon to horizon of the New York Stock Exchange as investors added discounted shares following a two-week sell-off. Investors cheered the best consumer sentiment reading in 15 years. About, well, over two-thirds of our national output stems directly from consumer spending. By Friday's closing bell on Wall Street, the Dow was up 178 at 25,764. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 was up 21.2%, ending at 28.59. And the NASDAQ was up 100, ending at 78.16. Global investors turned again to U.S. shares as the domestic economy remains the economic powerhouse along with our top trading partner, China. However, China's state-run media has been expressing some disappointment in the progress of trade negotiations. The trade conflict, though, really seems like little more than saber-rattling as neither nation can really afford to stifle the all-important trade relations on a long-term basis. U.S. shares, bottom line. Well, the USA Today Greed to Fear Index remains in no man's land, giving an ambiguous reading, neither bullish nor bearish. I've been mentioning for some time the market has legs and a fresh assault on all-time record highs could unfold as soon as the next few weeks to months. Coming up after the break, more Gold Seek Radio.
just a pleasure to welcome back Louis Navalier. He runs Navalier & Associates, editor of at least four leading stock newsletters. Welcome back, Louis Navalier. It's an honor to be here. Start off with better than expected U.S. numbers, the lowest unemployment since 1969, five decade low around 3.7, Do you expect this trend to continue and what does that mean for investors? Yeah, we have peace and prosperity. We've got retail sales that picked up uh, and remain strong. We've got factory orders, durable goods are strong. They're actually going to revise that first quarter GDP number higher. Uh, because all the we had all this good news in March that they didn't have when they made the flash estimate. And for first quarter GDP to be 3-plus percent is amazing because usually the GDP gets the weather. And you may remember the media was telling everybody that the government shut down this economy. Well, somehow we grew over 3% when the government was temporarily shut down. So so I find that uh, very interesting, and we're going in, in, the, uh, in the second quarter with a lot of momentum. Earnings have come out a lot better on the, on the market, and interest rates continue to collapse. Uh, the 10-year Treasury is trying to break 2.4%, uh, and that's a, a big deal. So I'm very, very confident. Obviously, there's some trade uh, things going on. I don't expect a full resolution of the, of the, the trade uh, uh, tit-for-tat with China because um, we filed suit against uh, their big 5G company, and uh, there's big intellectual property fights going on. But um, so, but outside of 5G, I think uh, they're going to resolve some things. So a lot, a lot to look forward to here. We also are noticing uh, better than expected manufacturing numbers. How much of that narrative do you think might be related to more defensive trade strategy and or slash domestic tariffs that we've seen 200 billion more in the direction of our top trading partner, not terribly pleased about that, but solid manufacturing numbers. Is that the tariff story, or is it just a stronger economy? Well, that's a good, good question, so let's just dig into the details here. So our exports to China keep rising. They're importing more fuel and food, mostly soybeans, but they were also doing that to go into our trade negotiations. Now, our deficit with China hit a three-year low, so there, China was trying to look good, on these trade negotiations, but, uh, you know, Trump is very clear, like, stop stealing our intellectual property, blah, 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 or you're going to have 25%. So he upped it from 10 to 25. He wants them uncomfortable. I'm sure culturally there's some issues going on because, you know, they don't respect all the intellectual property rights in China and everything. So I think there will be a, a, a partial resolution where some things will go back to 10% tariffs. And wherever we disagree, we'll remain at, at 25. But, uh, you know, Trump's not messing around. No one's surprised by this. It does make the Costco, the Amazons more powerful if you do have tariffs on our goods, because uh, obviously the government will be taxing them. It's just going to be fascinating to watch. But um, it's also bipartisan. You know, uh, Chuck Schumer was pushing the president to, to hold tough and everything. So a lot of the manufacturing is going to Vietnam and Thailand and uh, Taiwan and um you know, they built a Foxconn facility in Wisconsin that never was staffed. So uh, that's embarrassing for the, the president. Um, so, you know, maybe he is purposely trying to divert more manufacturing to America with the bigger tariffs. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think, um, you know, it's the, the bottom line is Trump wants you uncomfortable when you negotiate with him, and he made the Chinese very uncomfortable. So we're going to have some sort of resolution on this. 
The president has also mentioned that he'd like to see the benchmark overnight lending rate drop at least 1%. And as you mentioned earlier, rates are dropping, at least here. The new rate cut cycle as soon as December or January of next year. Do you expect then for this to maybe spur more corporate buybacks as issuing debt will be more affordable? I think interest rates are flat as a pancake. I think that they're going down because of the market rates um, around the world. Uh, you know, you have zero rates in Japan. You have zero rates in Europe. Uh, you have that Brexit delay that's going to keep rates down. Europe is putting more stimulus on. So there is international capital flight to America, and that's pushing our yields lower. Um, the strong dollars also have squelched inflation because uh, commodities are priced in dollars. So I see a very low interest rate environment. Now, the Fed thinks this is a lull. We'll see. I know Trump is trying to influence the Fed. You know, his last two nominees had to resign. Uh, Herman Cade got uh, glory all right went after Herman Cade. And then, of course, I know uh, Steve Moore very well, well from money shows and stuff. And it's unfortunate he had to resign. But he, Trump's trying to put his people on, on the Fed. Of course, the Fed's a weird little club. But I do think if market rates continue to fall, the Fed will fall market rates slower. But there's also gossip right now that because of what Trump is doing with China, it could cause the Fed to cut. Uh, I don't really buy that at this moment. But if market rates continue to fall, the Fed will will cut rates because they never fight market rates. Do you then expect this freight train of U.S. equities to continue higher? I mean, it seems as though global investors have few other go-to markets to consider. The IPO market remains solid for at least a decade now into this bull market. Would you be surprised by a 20% correction? Well, you can have these corrections at any time. Since market's gone higher, it's got more narrow. They are hitting the strongest sector, which are semiconductors, which had the biggest bounce since uh, December. But a lot of those semiconductors didn't have earnings. I've noticed the ones with earnings, like Xilinx, are holds up amazingly well. I do think the market has gotten more narrow, more fundamentally focused. Uh, it's definitely very yield-hungry right now. The stocks with the big dividend yields are holding up remarkably well. But I think any correction um, is, is would be short-lived. Now, at the second half of May, we tend to get all the stock buybacks. Uh, we had $227 billion buybacks in the first quarter. Apple announced that business buybacks were $75 billion, uh, so the second quarter buybacks could be bigger. Um, so I really think that every time the market goes down, then the bargain hunters come out. And uh, whether it's the companies themselves doing the buybacks, the people chasing dividend yields. But, you know, the S&P yields over 1.9, 10-year treasuries, about to crack 2.4, and of course the interest is taxed at 40.8 federal, and uh, dividends are taxed at 23.8. So anyone that has money is going to be have a stock bias because um, because it's, it's it yields it yields you more to stay in the market than to leave the market. So I think um, any corrections short lived. You know our corrections last year in 2018 were all arbitrage driven. They were mostly ETF driven. One of the more fascinating things that happened last year is SPY is the biggest and most liquid ETF out there. It's based on the S&P 500. But aftermarket, it went up 13% last year after the market closed. And then during market hours, it went down 17%. So people were literally buying it at the close and selling it at the opening. And, um, and, and 
doing this arbitrage to try to make 30% just on price di- differentials. So there are, that's the biggest threat to the market, in my opinion, the fact that things aren't always priced properly, okay? And these ARB people come out of, out of the woodwork so, uh, every now and then. So to me, that would be the biggest threat to the market. Real estate is obviously an important component of our domestic economy, spills over into so many other sectors. With the threat of higher rates over the past year or so, many consumers and potential single-family home buyers tabled their plans to buy a new home or even, you know, a secondary home with rates expected to decline over the next year or two. That might bring back some of the buyers and act as a secondary boost to the domestic economy. In the high-tax states, it's not doing well. And in the low-property-tax states, it's doing much better. So low-property-tax states are like Nevada, Arizona, Colorado. It's interesting. I, I live in Florida, but I live in a high-tax county with very high property tax. The expensive homes are not moving. In fact, there's a lot of them for sale, even though Florida's growing. We tell everybody in Florida they might want to move to a red county or something because uh, they'll have lower lower property taxes. So I think because of the the deductibility of real estate uh, property taxes, I think you want to be in a in a low tax state with low low property taxes and at the right price point. You know, every real estate market has a line. So I have a home in Reno, Nevada, and there everything under seven hundred thousand sells real fast. Everything above it, it's soft. Uh, here in South Florida, I would respectfully argue that. Anything under a million and a half sales real good, and then above a million and a half has to sit a little longer. So I think that's, that's the key is, is, to, is to have homes priced right. Um, I'm not an expert in the Carolinas and everything, but the, again, the lower the property taxes, I think the higher the real estate's going to be. Okay, and everybody enjoys the Navalier stock candidates, and you've had some excellent picks in the past. And you also keep an eye on the energy sector. Can you maybe give us some... Um, some of the more intriguing shares that you're watching closely across a few key sectors? Well, let me just mention something about NVIDIA. We actually put a sell on that some time ago. Uh, it has two back quarters, so we're looking to do a big push on it in August of next year. Um, excuse me, August of this year after these two back quarters come out. But they dominate all the artificial intelligence driving. I know my publisher's uh, doing some promo, promo on it right now, but... The main thing we're looking to, to buy a lot of NVIDIA in, in, in late August after it's uh, after it announces two more quarters of lackluster results, and then it'll be time to hit the gas on it. The big story is is that the U.S. is the biggest energy producer in the world. That's why we can be assertive with Venezuela, with Iran. We are controlling world energy prices right now. That is why the trade deficit continues to be very favorable because. Uh, we export energy now. China's one of the big export markets for energy. So, uh, and we're still adding production. Uh, you know, they keep taking natural gas pipelines, but in line room to, to transport more crude oil. This is a big deal. Now, as far as the companies go, they're having tough year-over-year comparisons right now. But in the fall, we'll probably adding a lot of um, energy companies. I want to see how much oil prices fall because uh, demand tends to fall in, in, in after Labor Day. And if they level off at a good price, I'll probably be adding a lot. But it's interesting how the big majors, like a ConocoPhillips, are now getting in all the shell shell stuff. So um, this racking and, and big shell development is here to stay. Because the majors, funny, they abandoned that area, and now they're all back in it again. 
So then you expect the uh, general theme of recovery in West Texas intermediate crude to uh, continue. You know, if you're looking for stronger economic conditions, that typically bodes well for the energy sector. Yeah, it does bode well. I think the one twist we had in energy is when Venezuela went offline, won't send them the money as long as Maduro's in power. We'll process their oil, we'll refine it, but we won't send them the money because of some trust on Maduro leaves. Uh, what happened is that tightened up the crack spreads because the Venezuelan oil is mostly heavy sour. What's going on is as the crack spreads get tighter, it kind of messes with the refinery profits. Uh, but the WTI is uh, benefits when the spreads are wide, okay? And the spreads are a little tight right now. But it's, uh, you know, I mean, listen, Texas is booming. It's, um, it's, uh, I'd be curious just how much we're eating on the growth spread in Texas, at least a third. And as we wrap up, we have all the links to the Navalier websites and information. Is there any uh, specific info or websites you'd like to mention and or direct our listeners to today? Well, on Navalier.com, that's our management company. We have a free service there called Market Mail, and I encourage everybody to sign up for it. Uh, it comes out every Tuesday. And there's five of us that write. So if you want constant market updates, that's a good place. We also do podcasts and things during fast market conditions. Uh, we've done two this week, as an example. Both Navalier.com and NavalierGrowth.com, which is my newsletter site, have free databases out there. Uh, the stock graders, the dividend graders. And so you should feel free to key in your stock and see how they rank. You can save portfolios. But we, we do give our research away free in the public domain. But we're just here to empower people. But the market's going to get more narrow, more selective. It usually does as it goes higher. But I'm very, very encouraged right now. Uh, sales are much stronger than expected. Economic growth is much stronger than expected. Whatever uncertainty we've had will soon be over. Tit for tat with China is coming to a head here. So uh, I think it's a very, very interesting market. And the big story is the market keeps dying from buyback. So I think we'll it'll continue to under high. We can't thank you enough and look forward to further commentary in 2019. Great to talk to you, and then you can help with Take care. Shopping for fine jewelry just got easier. com has identified the most successful jewelry brand to launch in recent times. Many Jewelry is rewriting the way consumers buy fine jewelry. Integrity Craftsmanship, the only company to sell 24-karat gold and platinum jewelry, avoiding confusing alloys and gems, a true precious metals investment. Many Jewelry's disruptive business model embraces Franco-American craftsmanship and direct-to-consumer economics, rapidly disrupting the $20 billion monopoly, just like Amazon and Uber. The sky is the limit with $1 billion of jewelry purchases daily for loved ones and those special occasions. Many Jewelry is an innovator positioned to capture market share with annual sales growth in the industry topping $30 billion. By 2021, Many Jewelry coined the term investment jewelry, pricing by the gram, transparently disclosing its profit margins, a truer investment in pure gold or platinum. Similar to real estate, even artwork, Many Jewelry has a weighted value, easily calculated, ensuring value wealth as a long-term investment. With sales in 60 countries around the globe, 20,000 orders already, don't miss out on the explosive growth potential. Many Jewelry trades under the symbols M-E-N-E on the Toronto Exchange and in the U.S. M-E-N-E-F. Remember to sign up to Many's shareholders. Club to receive shareholder news, updates, and special discount codes for jewelry purchases. Remember, many jewelry. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice.
The blockchain revolution is transforming the global arena, disrupting every industry in its path. Goldseek.com is excited to introduce an off-the-chain opportunity in digital gold and silver from our friends at Atmex and Sprott.com. One Gold holds physical gold and silver medals at the Royal Canadian Mint, the first online marketplace to offer secure and convenient buying, selling, and redemption of digital precious metals. One Gold uses Vault Chain, a secure, immutable blockchain ledger developed by Tradewind Markets, the leading innovator in digital precious metals distributed ledger and blockchain technology. Vault Chain. Gold and silver are 100% redeemable through One Gold. For physical precious metals delivered to customers' doors in any size at competitive prices and low transaction storage costs. As a special offer and for a limited time only, One Gold is offering gold and silver at spot price with no additional premiums. OneGold.com is secure and accessible 24-7 on any device, offering convenient purchases and sales of precious metals. Easy recurring transactions make passive saving and gold dollar cost averaging as easy as a single mouse click. Vault Chain offers the best tier pricing on AppMex products, setting the industry standard as a fully backed physical asset with easy redemption in coins, rounds, or bars, offering clients peace of mind and full transparency. Don't get left behind. Remember to bookmark OneGold.com for the safest and most convenient digital precious metals today. Remember OneGold. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. Thanks for choosing Goldseek.com radio as a trusted business and investing news source. It's just a real pleasure to welcome Gerald Salente, head of the Trends Research Institute. Well, thanks for having me. Can you tell us a bit about this exciting new trend vision? Yes, what we do is we look at the global news each day and break it down to what it really means socially, politically, economically. And we look at trends from um, economics to retail to health, uh, the whole cannabis trend, one after another. But we do it on a daily basis, so we break down the daily news in a very different way that you're not getting from the mainstream media. So you won't hear anything, for example, about the Mueller reports. That's a relief. I noticed in one of your latest reports, you're concerned about the market, as are many investors. You know, U.S. equities have struggled for a few weeks. What do you see happening here? You know, we're ones that are saying it's not the trade war. That's not going to really make a big difference in all of this. They've been talking that line now for three years. I mean, the United States just had a $50 billion uh, deficit last month. So there's going to be a negotiation. Nobody deals in this kind of, you know, we have a $600 billion a year trade deficit. So they're going to negotiate this thing. The real issue here is, let's go back to last September. The day before the markets, the S&P 500 hit an all-time high. On September uh, 19th, we came out with a trend alert warning of an economic 9-11. The next day, the S&P 500 hit an all-time high. And then from that point on, it started declining. And we went through the worst January, excuse me, December, since the Great Depression on the Dow. Markets went into bear territory and correction territory around the world, down 10 and 20% and more. That, we made that forecast based on the belief from the Federal Reserve and with their statements that they were going to aggressively raise interest rates. On January 4th, 2019, they reversed that. We reversed our forecast. There's not going to be an economic 9-11 as long as cheap money stays into the system. 
it's like you have to keep feeding the addict whatever they're addicted to, investors or gamblers in Wall Street. So they're going to keep feeding them with more cheap monetary methadone. And that's why you saw this past April, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ hit new highs. And yes, now they're backtracking, but not because of trade wars so much, but it's a global slowdown. You know, when markets you know, hit these kind of highs, they have you know, 5% pullbacks. So that's what we see going on. But the bigger picture is the debt bubble that just keeps building and getting bigger around the world. So we talk about the United States with our $22 trillion debt bubble, but how about China with their $40 trillion debt bubble? And China doing everything they can now, and we just saw their new numbers coming out on, um, on industrial production that were down. And what are they going to do to keep juicing the markets? Because that's what they're doing. So where are they going to get the money? Now you're seeing the yuan going lower. So that's our concern. And what we believe the Federal Reserve, go back to last December, you saw home sales in Southern California decline 20%. Again, why? Interest rates were higher. You had a 5% 30-year mortgage. Now you have around a 4% 30-year mortgage, and you're seeing a rebound in the housing market. So let's put this together. It's the presidential reality show. Trump is going to do everything he can to win. He's in the real estate business. He's been pressuring Congress, excuse me, the Federal Reserve, to lower interest rates. And they did on January 4th, 2019. He's going to pressure them again because now we're seeing a slowdown in retail sales. So what does all this mean? You're going to see more cheap money, more monetary methadone to artificially inflate the equity markets. And we're going to, we believe that the big crash is going to come either just before, but probably just after the 2020 elections. What are the implications, though, for the typical American? Although we have a national unemployment rate, five-decade lows, they tell us. But it seems to me like the typical American is really struggling to keep food on the table. What is the Trends Research Institute explanation for this discrepancy between the official numbers and what the rest of us are experiencing out here? It's what we wrote, uh, let's see, 1999. I called it the 5-0 formula. Overpopulation, overproduction, overcapacity, open markets, and online. The 5-0 formula is globalization plus, um, when I talk about overpopulation, you go back 100 years ago, we had one point, roughly, 1.6 billion people on the planet. 100 years ago. That's not ancient history. We've added 6 billion people in 100 years. You have a lot of cheap labor. Online, overcapacity, overproduction, open markets. It's keeping, it's keeping wages down. It's keeping inflation down. We've become globalized. When I was a young guy, there were things called hardware stores before the days of Lowe's and Home Depot. There were things called stationary stores before the days of Staples. One after another, they've deregulated 
the antitrust acts. There used to be savings and loan banks. They deregulated all these acts that made America a middle-class country. This is the latest report that just came out, and you cannot call it a left-wing organization, the Federal Reserve. They just came out with a study showing how a majority of the people can't afford a $400 extra charge from something that may have happened. The middle class is gone. They call the middle class now if you're earning between forty and eighty thousand dollars for a family of four. That's not middle class. Not when you have health care costs and rental and taxes and city taxes, property taxes, school taxes. Uh, people are taxed to death and all the money's gone to the one percent. I'm not making that up. You have Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos and and Bill Gates have more money, three people, than half of America's population combined. In this area, the median income is approximately, last check, 45000 per household. The cost to you know, maintain a family exceeds 45000 And this is a, I mean, it's a rather affluent area, but still, you know, there are pockets of everyday, as you say, middle America left. And it's been eviscerated by NAFTA and I think what you've so eloquently laid out here for us today. Is there anything that we can turn to as everyday folks, or is this part of the discontent we're seeing around the world? Well, the discontent around the world is exactly it, whether it's Algeria, whether it's Sudan, whether it's France, whether it's Germany, whether it's Italy, but not in the United States. There's no fight here. I mean, look at the presidential reality show. It's to look at the guy now that's that's leading on the Democratic side. You can't become more establishment than him, more NAFTA than him, or more World Trade Organization than him. What is the solution? We believe that the only solution for the United States is a self-sustaining economy. You put back the laws and regulations and that used to exist before the World Trade Organization, and NAFTA. And you make it a self-sustaining economy. We're one of the richest nations in the world in terms of natural and human resources. 96% of our clothing is made overseas. When I was a young guy, they used to make this stuff over here. Yeah, if I want, you know, a fine piece of French or Italian, you know, garment or whatever, yeah, buy that. But not everyday stuff. You know, so... You bring back the manufacturing jobs. And I'll never forget the debate between Ross Perot and Al Gore on Larry King back in the 1990s when Ross Perot warned about the great sucking sound of NAFTA, and he was 100% correct. The only thing that this has done is to enrich the rich, make the big corporations bigger, and the rest of us poorer. And don't blame the Chinese for stealing our technology. The corporations gave it away, the European and American corporations. The Chinese couldn't make anything before they got into the World Trade Organization. And and the big corporations went over there and gave them all our technology, the technology that we paid for, so they could get their products made there by slave labor, bring it back over here and mark up the prices. So there's a solution. Go back to the way it used to be. Put the laws back in place that prevented this. 
Yeah, we're not really apologists for our largest trade partner, but think of the standard of living increases that have occurred as a result of trade with a partner that has given us stores filled with products, but we all crave these products. It's vastly dropped the price tag. I think you'd probably agree 60, 80% or more. The laptop, you know, the cell phone, the Android, the iPhone, 100 inch TVs in our houses, okay? These are becoming major components. If you got them made here, and that's the point they keep making, they say they would be more expensive. Yeah, they'd be more expensive, but you'd be earning a lot more money. And that's the way you used to do it before. You were buying your televisions. You know, before the, the the wide screen, you were buying everything. You were buying your typewriters. You were buying whatever you needed in that era. But it was being made here. Yeah, you could have bought one cheaper if it was made overseas by slave labor. But they were being made here in factories, and people had higher paying jobs. Now, America, by the way, our middle class is barely fifty percent. It's sixty percent in Europe. So, if you're going to want cheap product. And, and go to dollar stores, great. And you'll be getting a job that pays a dollar as well. You could work at, at, a, at, a, at a warehouse now instead of a manufacturing plant. And by the time after you have anything left, you know, you got sixty two fifty a week in a hernia. So what do you want? Do you want a cheap product or do you want to work in a manufacturing plant where you're making the product and you're also benefiting from the higher cost because you have a higher wage? It's easy to point the finger and say, hey, we've lost our middle class and, of course, the jobs, right? I mean, the manufacturing jobs that sustained that enviable standard of living for middle America. If we give up the policies and some of the protective intellectual property rights and things of that nature, you can't just hand everything simply because you want to have lower priced goods and services in your manufacturing and, of course, be more competitive. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that's the, the hidden trade-off for globalism. Or maybe that's part of the master plan of the elites. Well, again, you know, it's, it's the 1% is real. They're the ones that benefit from the tax breaks. They're the ones that benefit from it all. And, again, you know, we're talking about middle-class income, forty-five to $85,000. You know, that's not real money anymore. Look what's going on with this scandal about how all these rich people pay off these, this guy to get their kids into school, into, into colleges. Who could afford to send your kid to college? Look at the debt that people are getting out uh, with. You're looking now at credit card delinquencies among younger people. That's at levels now that, that are matching 2011 levels, you know, Great Recession levels. So, no, we have to change the entire system. By the way, there's another problem behind it. The business of America's war, we spend trillions of dollars fighting wars. The business of China is business. China's not in any wars. China's going to be a bigger economy than the United States. I would say in 10, 15 years from now, America's going to be like England was after World War I. Declining empire. And that's what's going on. We're, we're squandering our resources as China's buying up the world. I just got back from the Philippines. I was there for two weeks on business and pleasure. China's buying up the whole place. Every, most of the top-end hotels I went to owned by Chinese. And they're doing that all around, the Belt and Road Initiative that they have. So again, the business of China is business, the business of America's war. Look what's going on now with America's involvement in, in Venezuela. 
what's going on now in, the, in, in, in what they're doing with Iran. So that's America. China, you don't hear anything about that. Oh, yeah, they want to keep Venezuela going because Venezuela owes them a lot of money. So that's what China is, the, the, the new yellow silk road, while America is going downhill with another march to war. For our precious metals aficionados, we know that you've been holding, maintaining, and a a good advocate, not giving financial advice, but letting people know, look, in the Salente household, we like to prepare for financial storms. There's always one around the corner. We rarely know exactly when it's going to strike, but it certainly brings us peace of mind to know that we've made some type of preparation ahead of those uh, hiccups in the economy digital alternatives other than just gold, silver, and precious metal shares? I mean, wouldn't it be possibly a help for people in the event of real social and even political upheaval, the likes of which you referred to, you know, World War II, the 1940s, 30s, and 40s, to cross borders without having to lug a big suitcase, you know, a small 1%, 2 3% of one's portfolio in cryptocurrencies. And then, you know, if there's another bonanza there, you might participate. Yeah, I would agree with you, but there's also the other element to it. If, you know, something does break out and the systems go down, and how do you get your, your money? And how, you know, what happens if, you know, if, if the entire internet or something goes down? So I would, I would suggest exactly what you said, a small percentage of it, but a low risk. I believe it's, it's, it's a good one. And I've I've done it, by the way, so I'm I'm speaking. We agree with you. This is really less speculative than most people know, because if one looks at it just, you know, from a purely financial or even scientific, if you prefer, you know, diversification perspective, if you look at it from just a merely Markowitz-style portfolio, cryptos really offer surprising beta diversification that almost no other currency or asset class, a low-cost way to boost your portfolio's expected return. So as we wrap up here, your parting thoughts, maybe a a 12-month look forward, or what we might anticipate in the markets, in the political drama, and in maybe the global economic scene. Well, globally, we're going to see a global slowdown. There's no question about it, but we don't think it's going to be that dramatic right now. And again, in the United States, look for lower interest rates. I mentioned the, the, uh, the 30-year mortgage is around 4 Look for it to go lower, in the, under 4 And also, we're going to see lower interest rates, as I mentioned, which is going to be good for gold. And I also, very, very important, watch what's going on with Iran. Because if the United States, Saudi Arabia, and Israel follow through with their threats against Iran and war breaks out, this could be the beginning of World War III. And it could be the end of life for billions of people. And I'm not exaggerating that. This is very critical what's going on. That's a really powerful statement and not something I've actually even entertained. Can you give us just a little more, fill in the blanks a bit here? Because that really, I think, requires us all to maybe make some new adjustments on our expectations. You go back to our trends, top trends for 2018. One of them was market shock mass murder. And we warned that the alliance that the United States, Israel, and Saudi Arabia in attacking Iran was a triangle of death. And you saw Trump pull out of the nuclear agreement that was signed by other countries so that Iran could could sell product and, and their oil and metals and minerals. 
and now Iran is in a deep recession. Down their their economy is down six percent this year. Their currency is is has plummeted. Inflation is skyrocketing, and more and more sanctions on them. In the meantime, we just saw this incident in the Persian Gulf, where four ships were sabotaged, and they're blaming it on the Iranians with absolutely not one shred of proof. And you read the language; it's likely. We believe. We we and and they ask who this United States official is saying that, and they won't give the name. So this sounds to me like another Iraq, Vietnam, or another war where we're going to be lied into. The Persians are very different. This isn't like the Iraq War or Libya. They're not going anywhere. They've been around for what about five thousand years. So if war breaks out with Iran, this could be the beginning of World War Three. Just think about it. I was born the year after World War II. That's not ancient history. And when you think of the destruction of civilized societies throughout Europe, throughout Asia, tens of millions of people killed, what, 20 million people just in Russia. Wars can break out instantly. But this time it's going to be a lot different. This time it's going to be not only nuclear weapons, but biological warfare on and on. And so people better consider what's going on and take a stand because no one's really talking about it. And by the way, that's why I also launched Occupy Peace. And you could make donations by going to OccupyPeace.com because this is very serious, particularly also what's going on in Venezuela with the United States instigating that regime change. Everyone knows the BRICS term, right? Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. But we're calling it the Brevix nations. We're including V for Venezuela. Clear alignment there with China. Unfortunately, and it's truly unfortunate, most of the world probably is starting to view uh, the United States and our allies as Axis-like countries. That could be the way you've carried that torch and that banner now for at least a decade here on the show. I hope that it doesn't break out the way you say, because it will be a lightning-like event, won't it? I mean, you'll be dealing, as you say, biological and even electronic and digital warfare this time. Yep. You know, there's a saying that generals are always fighting the last war. Aircraft carriers are like battleships. They're useless. All of this stuff with the new technology, you know, so that's what's going to happen. This is going to be beyond what anybody could ever imagine. I'm saying it based on the facts of what's going on out there. Do you think America would care about Venezuela or or Iran if their major export was broccoli? The U.S., one of the, if not now, the leading oil producer. So many of the oil-producing nations are lining up on the other side of the equation. National Security Advisor John Bolton, we wrote about in the Trench Journal, saying that he wants to bring American companies into Venezuela, American oil companies, and he said it would be good for Americans. He's saying it right out. He's also made this, the statements as clear. It's in our new Trench Journal coming out next week. He's made the statement perfectly clear. He wants regime change in, in Iran. You've given us a great idea on what you're doing and what you suggest on protecting one's household financially. But is there going to be a safe haven as far as globally? Should we be thinking about second homes or even relocating to the Southern Hemisphere? You nailed it. The Southern Hemisphere is going to probably be the only place to, to, be, to be safe if the nuclear war breaks out. Probably be like Patagonia. 
But again, look what's going on on Argentina. You know, they, they what did they have in pesos down over 50%. Their interest rates are over 60%. Terrible recession going on. But that's going to be where people are going to go, yes. Their distress probably presents an opportunity for the affluent of the West and the Northern Hemisphere. And we should probably expect more and more Bush family-like exodus from the United States and Europe to safer locales and, and lower-cost opportunities in the Southern Hemisphere. We'll have links up for Gerald within 24 hours. Thank you. Good talking with you, Chris. Shopping for fine jewelry just got easier. Goldseek.com has identified the most successful jewelry brand to launch in recent times. Many Jewelry is rewriting the way consumers buy fine jewelry. Integrity Craftsmanship, the only company to sell 24-karat gold and platinum jewelry, avoiding confusing alloys and gems, a true precious metals investment. Many Jewelry's disruptive business model embraces Franco-American craftsmanship and direct-to-consumer economics, rapidly disrupting the $20 billion monopoly, just like Amazon and Uber. The sky is the limit with $1 billion of jewelry purchases daily for loved ones and those special occasions. Many Jewelry is an innovator positioned to capture market share with annual sales growth in the industry topping $30 billion by 2021. Many Jewelry coined the term investment jewelry, pricing by the gram, transparently disclosing its profit margins, a truer investment in pure gold or platinum. Similar to real estate, even artwork, Many Jewelry has a weighted value easily calculated ensuring value wealth as a long-term investment. With sales in 60 countries around the globe, 20,000 orders already, don't miss out on the explosive growth potential. Many Jewelry trades under the symbols M-E-N-E on the Toronto Exchange and in the U.S. M-E-N-E-F. Remember to sign up to Many's Shareholder Club to receive shareholder news, updates, and special discount codes for jewelry purchases. Remember, Many Jewelry. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. The blockchain revolution is transforming the global arena, disrupting every industry in its path. Goldseek.com is excited to introduce an off-the-chain opportunity in digital gold and silver from our friends at Atmex and Sprott.com. One Gold holds physical gold and silver medals at the Royal Canadian Mint, the first online marketplace to offer secure and convenient buying, selling, and redemption of digital precious metals. One Gold uses Vault Chain, a secure, immutable blockchain ledger developed by Tradewind. Markets, the leading innovator in digital precious metals distributed ledger and blockchain technology. Vault Chain. Gold and silver are 100% redeemable through one goal. For physical precious metals delivered to customers' doors in any size at competitive prices and low transaction storage costs. As a special offer and for a limited time only, One Gold is offering gold and silver at spot price with no additional premiums. OneGold.com is secure and accessible 24-7 on any device, offering convenient purchases and sales of precious metals. Easy recurring transactions make passive saving and gold dollar cost averaging as easy as a single mouse click. Vault Chain offers the best tier pricing on AppMex products, setting the industry standard as a fully backed physical asset with easy redemption in coins, rounds, or bars, offering clients peace of mind and full transparency. Don't get left behind. Remember to bookmark OneGold.com for the safest and most convenient digital precious metals today. Remember OneGold. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. This is Robert Ian with Goldseek.com Radio. Regular listeners to this broadcast the past decade understand that the methodology by which inflation 
and core inflation, along with the various inflation indexes. Regular listeners understand how all of these have been tinkered with the past 35 to 40 years, such that the way inflation is measured today is very different from how the runaway inflation in the 1970s was measured. Heading into 2018, Social Security recipients received a 2% COLA, or Cost of Living Adjustment. Heading into 2019, Social Security recipients received a 2.8% COLA. With more and more people beginning to draw from the Social Security system, there has been, for many decades now, a vested interest in keeping COLAs low in order to minimize or slow the increasing outlay of cash. This desire to understate and misrepresent the true value of inflation is a festering problem. It is a significant contributor to the declining standard of living being experienced by a growing number of Americans. Do you really think inflation in your household went up between 2 and 2.8% the past two years? How are those Obamacare premiums and massive deductibles working out for you and your family? Think those were limited to 2 or 2.8%? How about gas prices the past month? How do you like those increases? And according to a report earlier this week, the residents of Illinois are looking at having their state gasoline tax increased by over double. And if you haven't noticed, grocery prices continue upwards across all sectors of the market. I memorize the prices of all the products we buy regularly at the grocery store and spot-check them when we go through the store each week. It's fun and a good form of mental gymnastics, but the sudden increases that have emerged the past few months are noteworthy. For example, my wife likes a particular brand of yogurt with her morning cereal. The past two years, Walmart sold those individual yogurt servings for 88 cents each. The Kroger store sold them for a dollar. Each had some minor fluctuations, but nothing to speak of. Then in the span of the past few weeks, the cost increased from 88 cents to $1.22 at Walmart, and from $1 to $1.25 at Kroger. Does that sound like a 2 or 3% increase in inflation to you? And for those of you who are secretly or openly rooting for some kind of UBI or universal basic income distribution to help you make ends meet, think again. If all or even a portion of the populace started receiving an extra $500 or $1,000 a month, just watch what will happen to all that new disposable income guaranteed your cable bill, your phone bill, your sporting event tickets, and everything else you need or want 
will inflate in price instantaneously upon the implementation of such a program. Most people will not get to realize the benefit of an added $500 or $1,000 in UBI because every person and every business will be plotting to get their share of what they will see as a pot of newfound consumer spending. And in the end, the spike in prices everywhere will absorb the UBI and more, resulting in an even lower standard of living. It won't be a higher level of break-even. UBI will actually accelerate inflation. Under reported consumer inflation erodes your standard of living. UBI, in practice, will also further erode your standard of living, as prices increase everywhere to mop up what will be perceived as free money. Make no mistake, direct and indirect forms of inflation all erode your standard of living. The inflation monster was released long ago. The fact that you may not see it or feel it to a noticeable extent at this moment in time means nothing. The monster will eventually come calling at your front door. And when it does, your pound of flesh or more, will become due and payable at that moment in time. And until next time, this is Robert Ian with ConquerChange.com. Thanks, Chris. Okay, Robert, thanks for another excellent installment. Well, that wraps up this week's GoldSeek.com radio episode. For two new big guests, be sure to check out next week's show. Until we talk to you again, have a great week. GoldSeek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice.